Today for our missions moment, we're focusing on something uh, two and a half miles from here. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about this building that's out there somewhere, but we can't really say anything. Monday, we started escrow, so that means the cat is out of the bag. Uh, The address for the place is 6175 East Kings Canyon. This is what's going to turn into our new home uh, sometime Late August, early September is what we're praying for. So uh, the way that it all went down was there was a church in our community. You can see where it is on the map uh, that ended up going up for sale. And we jumped on that like white on rice on a paper plate in a snowstorm held by a polar bear. Like we, any time that there's an opportunity for a building to stay a church and not get leveled and turned into apartments or a place where you can get a really good tan, like we, we're jumping on that absolutely to see it continue to be a place where Jesus is going to be made to look good. Uh, so a couple of us were there on Friday with the contractor. This place has everything that we're going to want. Uh, it's got an awesome place for kids. We can multiply what we're doing in kids ministry and have more kids uh, spread out into better age groups for them. It's not just kind of two big clumps of kids because all we have is two rooms. Now we're going to have five rooms. Uh, the sanctuary is awesome. But hazardous for your health, there are some repairs that need to happen inside so that the roof doesn't fall down on your head if you breathe too loud. Uh, That's what's going to happen between when we close escrow at the end of July and when we move in uh, in late August. But you can see behind me, this this is something that we are really excited about and really praying towards and pushing towards as a church. So as we go through the summer uh, and the temperatures get up, our excitement uh, for this new adventure as a church is going to rise also. This is a great thing for us is Mountain View Sunnyside because it's going to give us during the week roots. It's going to give us an address, a location, a sign, a place that the community can point to and say that's a church that can help people. It's right down the street from an elementary school that we can pour into and have be the the hub and the center of our impact into our community. Uh, It's really, really exciting. So as you're driving around the community and you see that place, 6175 uh, East Kings Canyon, pray for us as a church because that's where we're going to be headed. That is our bullseye. Uh, We want to be in there closing escrow at the end of July, moving in there at the end of August as all the contracting work has happened Uh, That's something that we're really excited about. So we're going to pray for that, uh, and then we're going to take offering. And the verse that we're praying for offering is the verse uh, that us as a staff have been praying over this whole building process from the very beginning. So uh, it is that way. So we're going to stretch out our hands towards our property that God uh, has given to us and released to us, and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for for the, the process that you started months ago. Uh, bringing this on our radar and then pushing us as a church toward this. Uh, Thank you for the accepted offer that we have. Thank you that that property, that place, that church is going to continue to be a church that lifts up Jesus and not get flattened and turned into apartments or a strip mall or anything like that. Uh, We get to be there. Father, as we we get prepared for that emotionally and and financially and, and practically as a church, we want your hands all over this, God. Uh, We want to make this move well. We want our relationship with the neighbors, uh, with the outgoing church, with everything. We want all of this perfect. And you are a perfect God who is all about reconciliation and all about right relationships. So we want you to work that through us so that we can be a blessing to that community, Jesus. We thank you for John Walsh Elementary School, how it's right down the street from us. Uh, And we pray that we're going to 
They have the insight, the tools, the wisdom to be a blessing to that place and to bless the community uh, that lives around the intersection of Kings Canyon and Bergen. And Jesus, you are God over everything. Uh, we give you glory here today, and we, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to move into a building that you have for us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers are going to come. We're going to give. We're pushing the sermon to the beginning of the service today. We're going to have worship on the back end. If you're looking at that connection card and seeing the basket already pass you, uh, don't worry about it at all. As you leave today, you'll walk out and there will be some really nice people on your right who have a gift for you because you matter to us and you made this place matter to you this morning. So we want to say thanks so much for being here. So Today is Pentecost Sunday. All these announcements in one point. Pentecost Sunday is today. This is historically the birth of the church. This is where the Holy Spirit was poured down from Jesus who had just ascended into heaven to mobilize normal people like us into changing the world. I love that. I was thinking about that this morning, just looking at the task of, of the opportunity of preaching Pentecost. And, and what God reminded me of was he said, you know what, I had, I had already stopped preaching earthly sermons. At this point, I was speaking through humans. And Pentecost celebrates that, that God came in to live inside of each and every one of us. That he wasn't in a tent, he wasn't in a physical body in Jesus anymore. He was living inside of you and me to make a difference in everything. And so as we look at Pentecost today, we're going to look at the, the gift and supernatural charismatic empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The gift and supernatural charismatic empowerment of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, that is a bunch of foreign language that you have no clue what we're talking about. And that is a great thing because you're going to leave today with more information and more experience with the God who loves you, the Jesus who saves you, and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of each one of us who call ourselves Christians and works in us to make us more like Jesus every day. As Christians, we already have the Holy Spirit. We ask Jesus to come into our life, and God places the Holy Spirit in us. When we say, I'm asking Jesus into my heart, that would be really difficult because he was a real life-size person, and your heart is not that big. So when you ask Jesus into your heart, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come in and live inside of us and convict us of what's right, what's wrong, and God's presence in our life. We already have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The first verse we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at about 90 of them, and they're all on, uh, all on your outline, is Romans 8, 9. It says, you, that's all of us, are not controlled by your sinful nature. That is great news. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So since we ask Jesus into our lives, when that happens in your spiritual journey, in, in your relationship with God, when that happens, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. If you call yourself a Christian, you've asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, to change you into a new person, you already have the Holy Spirit. Uh, we look at John 20. It's one of Jesus' last encounters with his disciples. Uh, he's risen from the dead, and he walks through a wall, and boom, all of a sudden he's in there meeting. And he says, peace be with you, and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. In my mind, theologically, and, and some of you aren't going to, some of you really care about this, uh, but that's when the disciples became Christians. That's when they went from, from being good people to being Christians because they believed that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead. So Jesus breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But then to like two pages later in Acts, there's a different encounter with the Holy Spirit. So I believe that that situation in John 20 is when the disciples became Christians. So they received the Holy Spirit. This is God who lives inside of each and every one of us. But there's more. 
there's something else that God wants to expose us to and, and fill us with and empower us through the Holy Spirit. The problem is, the key is, the, ch- the changing point, the friction point, is us getting to the point where we say, okay, yes, I'm ready for that. All right? If you go to coffee with me and you, you're with me when I order, I order black coffee and they ask, do you want cream and sugar in that? And I, every, every time, because it's funny in my head, I say, no, it's good enough the way it is. Like, I don't need anything else. I just want it to be black, nice, good coffee, black, and super strong, just like me. We think, that hurt. We think we are the same way as Christians. And for us, growing in our relationship with God is every day we get up, we remind ourselves of the fact that in the best way possible, not in a self-condemning way, but in a God-honoring way, that we actually there's more. There's something else that God wants to offer. It's way better than cream and sugar, which in my mind ruins coffee. I was at a breakfast event with high schoolers years and years ago. They could see that I was tired because something went wrong and I didn't have coffee that morning. Uh, And so the kid asked me, hey, I brought some coffee from home. It's hot. Do you want some? And so I took a drink of this light brown sugary stuff that he insists was coffee, but it was absolutely awful. And it was was horrible. It was absolutely bad. We're not coffee, okay? Okay. We, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, and an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit, changes everything for us. Even for us as guys, okay? This is something that's difficult for guys because it's us admitting that we don't have all the answers. It's us admitting that there's power out there that we don't already possess. I never ask for help and stuff, okay? You want to know one of my flaws? It's I do not ask for help. I want to do everything I can my way. And when it gets really, really bad and Anna usually intervenes, uh, that's when I end up asking for help. And everything gets sped up and goes much, much faster. But for us as guys to wrap our head around this, that there is a God who already loves you, always has, always will. He's not going to cut you from his team, but he wants to fill you to make you more like him. This changes everything for us. And so when we come to the idea of the Holy Spirit, especially us as guys and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who was a guy, looks at each and every one of us today and says, I have a plan, and I'm going to make it really easy and really simple for you. So uh, Acts 1-4. This is Jesus after he's died on the cross for our sins, risen from the dead, and then ascended back into heaven with God the Father. He says this. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think the context of this is key over everything. This is Jesus who, the, who one of the 11 disciples actually saw physically die on a cross for their sins. He was beaten beyond human recognition, dead, put in a grave because they expected him to stay dead. Instead, he woke up from the dead because he's God in human form, decided I'm not going to be dead anymore. I'm going to conquer everything in opposition against me, walks out of his own grave, and then tells the people the Holy Spirit is coming. It's not just you doing life on your own anymore and trying hard. There's going to be a Holy Spirit that comes and changes everything for you. I think the fact that Jesus is saying this post-resurrection is his ultimate drop-the-mic moment, okay? He's already conquered death. He's already conquered the devil. He's paid for every single one of our sins. And so God, who decided not to stay dead anymore, but rose himself from the dead and walked out of his own grave, says, the Holy Spirit is coming for you. This is good. It demonstrates power. It demonstrates relationship because he's sharing this with 11 men that he just spent the last three years of his life with. 
It demonstrates integrity because Jesus who said he would rise from the dead rose from the dead and now he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to come and it's going to baptize you with fire and it's going to be different than what you've ever experienced. Like for us today, he's calling us, God's calling me, he's saying I'm calling you to live dead, to give up control of what you expect life to be, give up control of what you expect the relationship with the Holy Spirit to be and let me show you my power. Let me show you my power. So we receive the Holy Spirit at conversion. We receive the Holy Spirit when we become Christians, when we come under God's forgiveness for our life. And then there's a moment of life-changing spiritual empowerment. And this spirit is a promised spirit. This is Jesus talking before the cross, before the resurrection in John 14 about the promised spirit. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. It's Jesus inside us through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying it's not gonna be something out there. It's gonna be something that's in here where God is gonna run us from the inside. Two chapters later, he says this in John 16. When he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. What this is going to do is it's going to continue the work of Jesus. Jesus had a group of 12 guys, 11 of them made it to the end, uh, and he worked, walked with them for three years, showing them what it is to follow God, what it is to live under God's power. And so what Jesus is saying here is after I die, rise again, ascend to heaven, somebody else is coming. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and it's going to be a continuation of you being one of the 11 disciples, basically. We're going to walk with Jesus. We're going to see things the way that Jesus saw them because the Holy Spirit is going to guide our eyes into that. We're going to see miracles happen the same way the disciples happen because Jesus promises that we're going to do more than Jesus ever done through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a promised spirit. And when it happens, you'll receive power because it's also an empowering spirit. It's also an empowering spirit. It's kind of like this. All right. These are screws. This is a screwdriver. And we all have a job in life. We've got things that we shouldn't do. We've got things that we should do. And working by our own power, it's possible, but it's hard. It's difficult. It's based on whatever our forearms can do, which is uh, sometimes not much. And if we continue to live our lives on our own power, eventually we'll get screwed. Get it? Awesome. There we go. The thing is, is you bring power into this and everything changes. You bring power in and the difficulties and the struggles that we used to face, they're still there, but there's power. It's different because God's in charge now. And for us, that's what God wants to do. He says this is going to be an empowering spirit. Acts 1.8, Jesus gives a really difficult task to the disciples. He says this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're going to go back to that sentence because without that, everything else sounds really difficult. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Think about it. You're going to be God's witness in everything you do. You are going to do it on your own, and you're going to do it throughout the world as you know it, everywhere on your own. Go get them. But you throw in the first sentence. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That means that there's power that we don't already have. 
That means we have access to God's ability to work in us, to move us from where God finds us, to empower us to live the life that Jesus lived and do more than Jesus did, not because Jesus was limited in any way, but because Jesus says, through my Holy Spirit, you're gonna do more than I did. This is for us and it's for the sake of of everyone else. It's God's vessel. We become God's vessels that he wants to work through to change the world, to bring people into a relationship with him. God's saying, this is my empowerment over you to, live, to leave a life of defeat, to leave a life of loss and to step into victory. And that's exactly what happened. It sounds like a lot of work when it's just up to us, but it's not just up to us. Philippians 2 12 and 13, uh, a guy named Paul is writing us, and Paul was a Pharisee. You think Pharisee, and even today, we still use that word for someone who never thinks they did anything wrong ever in their life. And these guys knew the whole first half of the Bible by memory. These guys were the ones who like, nailed what it was to follow Jesus. Paul says this after becoming a Christian. He said, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Again, it's like that. We have to work hard. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. This is where everything changes. God is working in you. Power is working in you. The Holy Spirit is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to, cha- to do what pleases him. And that's everything. Think about that. God chose to live in you. You didn't back him into anything. He didn't lose a bet. God looks at you where you are today and says, that's the person that I want to live in. That's the life that I want to take from the inside out. And I want to give him new power. I want to give him new victory. I want to give him new eyes and a new heart and a new voice and a new way of living. Not because they're going to white knuckle this faith life, but instead I'm going to give them power to do what they could never imagine before because this is an empowering spirit. Lastly, it's also an inviting spirit. Jesus is inviting us into an intimate, powerful, promised relationship through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's inviting us into that. So what does this look like? Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, that's today, all the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where the believers were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared on each of them appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues and in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It's the promised spirit where Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. It's an empowering spirit because now they're speaking earthly languages and angelic heavenly languages that they didn't know before. It's an inviting spirit because it's the spirit of God who calls all people to himself coming in to live in their hearts, to live in their lives and outpouring, giving evidence of this fact through the coming of the Holy Spirit and the speaking of tongues. It's coming to live in Christians. And at this time, this was crazy. It's like we said a few minutes ago, that God is no longer gonna live in a tent or in a temple or in the person of Jesus. Now he's coming to live inside of fallible human beings like you and me. He's coming to live inside of us. It's the joy of Pentecost. And so what happens in this is they they spill out from the place where they're meeting and they began speaking in languages that the Holy Spirit gave them. As Christians, we call this speaking in tongues and it's a miraculous gift that we receive from the Holy Spirit. It's a way of us communicating with God in a language that we've never lied in, in a language that we've never sworn in, in a pure, perfect language. 
And there are four times to, to speak in tongues that the Bible talks about. And all of them are God-honoring, and, and none of them are weird. And the first one is a public earthly tongue. So what happens in Acts 2, 7 is this. So the Holy Spirit has just come on them. They begin to speak unknown languages. And it says this, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. So it's poured out for the sake of mission. It's earthly languages given to people who didn't know them before. It's miraculous reception, them receiving a language from Jesus. That empowers them to communicate to God's people in a language they didn't know before. That still happens. It would have been really nice if that happened before my Spanish final in 11th grade, but no. It still happens. People miraculously receive languages from God so they can communicate to other of God's children in a language that the individual didn't know before. That's a reason to speak in tongues publicly. Another reason is that it's, it's a public declara declaration with interpretation in a setting that isn't going to confuse or freak out uh, non-Christians. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 28, it says this, when you meet together as a church, he's talking to a church. So when you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation that God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what it said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. All of you, that's the key word. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So it's something that we do in prayer meetings where we know that it's Christians and we're not gonna weird out anybody who's on a journey to meet Jesus. This is something that's poured out for the sake of reaching the world. It's to empower us as believers to go reach people who don't yet know Jesus and we don't want to freak people out before that begins. So tongues is given to us as a gift uh, to bring into worship with God in situations where it's not going to be intimidating or confusing for other people. That's where it's done publicly. Privately, it's different. Privately, we speak in tongues to build up ourselves I look at it as the God of the Bible directly intervening in my life in the way that he said he would. So 1 Corinthians 14, 4 through 5, it says, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could prophesy. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. This is verse 14. My spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. It's us connecting with God in a heavenly language. It's us putting our voice and our heart in an angelic language and saying, okay, God, what do you want to say to my heart? What do you want to say to my mind? What picture do you want to put in here as I engage with you in a perfect heavenly language? And the last one, the fourth way is private edification for another person. If I'm going to pray for someone and I don't know what to pray for, I'm asking God, okay, God, how do you want to pray through me into this person's life? This happens often when we have prayer ushers up here during worship on Sunday mornings. We begin by saying, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to pray? And so we'll pray to the Lord in tongues saying, okay, God, what do you want to do? You're in charge here. I want you to run this situation, run this encounter through me. Romans 8, 26 to 27 backs this up. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. 
For the Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony for God's own will. It's a promised spirit. It's it's an empowering spirit. It's an inviting spirit that prays through us, that gives vocal, audible evidence through us of God's empowerment over our lives. And we can say that it's an inviting spirit because Jesus tells us that it is. Luke 11, Jesus says this. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what this hangs on. It's Jesus who loves you. Jesus who called you to himself when we were all far away. Jesus who knew us by name, by past, by future, and says, this is the person that I want with me. I'm sending my son to bring them to me. The Jesus who knows us says, I want you to ask for this gift. I want you to step into this gift. I want you to, to take risks for this gift. And for me, coming to understand that was really the, the thing that changed everything in my story. Because I grew up not hearing about speaking in tongues, not really knowing about what it is to have a life-changing relationship with the Holy Spirit in a way that gave an audible evidence for it. I had virtually, I had absolutely no experience with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues. I thought your head popped off your body and spun around and your eyes rolled back in your head and fire came out of your mouth. Like that was my educated theological opinion of something that I had no information about. Uh, And the one who really ruined all that for me uh, was Anna because she was normal. She was beyond normal. Uh, She is amazing and one day uh, we came home. We were in a mobile church at Mountain View East Campus. We were still meeting at Clovis High. Uh, so I was one of the people who stayed and cleaned up after church. We had no kids. So I come home and on a Sunday afternoon, she's doing this really weird thing that we don't know about now that we have kids. It's called napping. Uh, she was just hanging out on the bed by herself, reading a book or something. None of those things happen now. But uh, she said, I have something to tell you. And immediately I thought, baby, because uh, there were no babies at that point. And she said, I want you to know that I speak in tongues. I was like, whoa, this is something we had fought about before because I had my very uninformed but very close to me opinion. And all of a sudden, this was torn down by somebody normal who is also filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. It's like, okay, you're normal, you're amazing, you're beautiful, I respect everything about you, and you're charismatic and you speak in tongues. How does this work? So you can be normal and do this. So I'm meeting with a guy who's mentoring me at the time, uh, and we met at the Starbucks at Fowler and Herndon. And I walked into that meeting that day, uh, and usually we just did our shape together and pray for each other and then go out through the day. And I didn't even sit down, and I said, I want to know more about speaking in tongues. And so he's, boom, he gets up right away. We walk out of Starbucks, because that could be weird, even though weird stuff already happens in Starbucks. Uh, and we walk to the bench that's right next to the cold stone there at Fowler and Herndon. Uh, and so he led me through what it is to ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit over my life. And that's how we're going to close today. And it's, it's, we're asking for four things. The first thing is we're surrendering our body to God. We're surrendering ourselves to God. Everything that you need, you already brought, so congratulations, you're ahead of the game. But we're saying, God, I give you my mind. I want you to fill my mind and help me to think the way that you think. I give you my eyes. I want to see things the way that you see them. I give you my ears to hear your voice. I give you my voice so that I can build up people, and I give you my voice also to use for the gift of tongues. We surrender our our, our heart to God to care about the things that God cares about in the order that God cares about them. We surrender our sexuality to God to be used in the way that God created it for one man and one woman in one marriage for one lifetime. We surrender ourselves to God. We say, God, everything is yours. 
And if God's got everything, then that means that there are some things in us that God wants to take out. And this is where we see the good news. This is where we see the goodness of God. Because God is not a butcher who's going to punish us for doing wrong things. He's a shepherd who's going to say, okay, this stuff shouldn't be here. Let's lead this out. And today as we focus on the Holy Spirit, we're going to ask God the question, God, where have I made fun of your Holy Spirit? Where have I resisted your Holy Spirit? Where have I said, that's not for me, I'm good enough as I am, like a cup of coffee? Where have we said that? And since God is a shepherd, he's not going to say, you shouldn't have done that. He's going to say, all right, let's deal with this. Let me take this out of your life. Let me replace it with the, op- with the opposite. Because God is faithful to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, even around the Holy Spirit. So we've surrendered, we've repented, that means we've cleaned out everything. And so now we ask. That's the next step is we ask. Jesus tells us to plainly ask for the Holy Spirit. There's a time where Jesus is walking to a city and there's a blind guy on the side of the road. He's yelling out, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. Jesus says, okay, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to see. He's a blind guy. So Jesus gives him his sight back. Jesus gives us a model of asking for things plainly, and he fills what we ask for. And so as we ask for the Holy Spirit this morning, we're asking for it with evidence of speaking in tongues. We're saying, God, this is what I want to receive from you today. This is what I want to experience from you today. And then we yield, we surrender, we repent, we ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues. And then we yield. That's the diving board moment. That's where we get up to the end. And God's not going to reach his hands down your throat and start shaking your vocal cords. That's where you begin to speak out with the voice that's already been surrendered to God and, and, and with the voice that God gave you. The people who are praying for you are going to pray over you in the spirit. And this is our time to speak along with them. To say, okay, God, I believe in faith that I've received the Holy Spirit. Just like when you ask Jesus to come into your life, you believe in faith that, that you've received salvation, that God has come in and forgiven you of your sins. You're not your old self anymore. You're new because God has made you new. And then we begin to speak out as evidence of God working in us. So let's stand. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and the prayer ushers to come up. And on Pentecost today, on the day where we remember and recognize and celebrate the birth of the Holy Spirit, we're not just going to celebrate it, we want to experience it today. We want to step from our power into God's power, even if we're nervous about it. We're going to say, God, you're the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And so we want to experience that today. So Father, I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you've got a great plan for us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit not to live in just your perfect people, but in all your people. Thank you that we have it at conversion and thank you that there's an empowerment that comes with us, that equips us with desire and power to do the things you want us to do and the power to carry it out. If you're here today and that that idea of conversion, the idea of asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin, to change you from who you are to, to who God wants you to be, to change you from the inside of you to the outside of you, if that's something that's totally foreign to you, but today's your day to say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna give you that chance today. I'm gonna count to three, and if, your day's today, if today's your day to say yes to Jesus for the first time, and I say three, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And it'll be the best decision you could ever make. You'll find forgiveness for your sins today. You'll begin a relationship with Jesus today. So one, God loves you. He always has, he always will, and today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where I say, God, I'm doing this my way. I am good enough as I am. I'm doing it my way. That's called sin, and Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin to bring us into a relationship with God. And three, today's your day to say, I need that sin, and I need that, sa- or I need that forgiveness, and I need that Savior. 
If that's you today, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. And it'll be the best decision you could ever make. Is there anyone like that here today where today's your day to say yes to Jesus, to find forgiveness for your sin? All right. It's Pentecost. It's the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit over believers who were gathered to worship God. That sounds familiar. That sounds like us today. So we're going to have our prayer ushers up here in the front. They are normal people who want to bring you into the throne room of God this morning. And if you're nervous, if you're scared, be scared. But I challenge you to respond in the midst of your fear and let God do something amazing in you this morning. Let's worship and respond.